Chapter 5, Section 5 of The Promise of American Life by Herbert Crowley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by The Progressing America Project. Chapter 5, Section 5 Government by Lawyers. The corporation, the politician, and the union laborer are all illustrations of the organization of men representing fundamental interests for special purposes. The specialization of American society has not, however, stopped with its specialized organization. A similar process has been taking place in the different professions, arts, and trades, and of these much the most important is the gradual transformation of the function of the lawyer in the American political system. He no longer either performs the same office or occupies the same place in the public mind as he did before the Civil War, and the nature and meaning of this change cannot be understood without some preliminary consideration of the important part which the American lawyers have played in American political history. The importance of that part is both considerable and peculiar, as is the debt of gratitude which the American people owe to American lawyers. They founded the Republic, and they have always governed it. Some few generals, and even one colonel, have been elected to the Presidency of the United States, and occasionally businessmen of one kind or another have prevailed in local politics, but really important political action in our country has almost always been taken under the influence of lawyers. On the whole, American laws have been made by lawyers, they have been executed by lawyers, and, of course, they have been expounded by lawyers. Their predominance has been practically complete, and so far as I know, it has been unprecedented. No other people, either in classic, medieval, or modern times, has ever allowed such a professional monopoly of governmental functions. Certain religious bodies have submitted for a while to the dominion of ecclesiastical lawyers, but the lawyer has rarely been allowed to interfere either in the executive or the legislative branches of the government. The lawyer phrased the laws, and he expounded them for the benefit of litigants. The construction which he has placed upon bodies of customary law, particularly in England, has sometimes been equivalent to the most permanent and fruitful legislation. But the people responsible for the government of European countries have rarely been trained lawyers, whereas American statesmen, untrained in the law, are palpable exceptions. This dominion of lawyers is so defiant of precedent that it must be due to certain novel and peremptory American conditions. The American would claim, of course, that the unprecedented prominence of the lawyer in American politics is to be explained on the ground that the American government is a government by law. The lawyer is necessarily of subordinate importance in any political system tending towards absolutism. He is even of subordinate importance in a liberal system such as that of Great Britain, where Crown and Parliament, acting together, have the power to enact any desired legislation. The Federal Constitution, on the other hand, by establishing the Supreme Court as the interpreter of the fundamental law, and as a separate and independent department of the government, really made the American lawyer responsible for the future of the country. In so far as the Constitution continues to prevail, the Supreme Court becomes the final arbiter of the destinies of the United States. Whenever its action can be legally invoked, it can, if necessary, declare the will of either or both the President and Congress of no effect, and inasmuch as almost every important question of public policy raises corresponding questions of constitutional interpretation, its possible or actual influence dominates American political discussion. 
Thus the lawyer, when consecrated as justice of the Supreme Court, has become the high priest of our political faith. He sits in the sanctuary and guards the sacred rites, which have been enshrined in the Ark of the Constitution. The importance of lawyers as legislators and executives in the actual work of American government has been an indirect consequence of the peculiar function of the Supreme Court in the American political system. The state constitutions confer a corresponding function on the highest state courts, although they make no similar provision for the independence of the state judiciary. The whole business of American government is so entangled in a network of legal conditions that a training in the law is the beat education which the American public man can receive. The first question asked of any important legislative project, whether state or federal, concerns its constitutionality, and the question of its wisdom is necessarily subordinate to these fundamental legal considerations. The statesman, who is not a lawyer, suffers under many disadvantages, not the least of which is the suspicion wherewith he is regarded by his legal fellow statesmen. When they talk about a government by law, they really mean a government by lawyers, and they are by way of believing that government by anybody but lawyers is really unsafe. The Constitution bestowed upon the American lawyer a constructive political function, and this function has been confirmed and even enlarged by American political custom and practice. The work of finally interpreting the Federal Constitution has rarely been either conceived or executed in a merely negative spirit. The construction, which successive generations of Supreme Court justices have placed upon the instrument, has tended to enlarge its scope and make it a legal garment, which was being better cut to fit the American political and economic organism. In its original form, and to a certain extent in its present form, the Constitution was in many respects an ambiguous document, which might have been interpreted along several different lines, and the Supreme Court in its official expositions has been influenced by other than strictly legal and verbal reasons, by considerations of public welfare, or by general political ideas. But such constructive interpretations have been most cautiously and discreetly admitted. In proclaiming them, the Supreme Court has usually represented a substantial consensus of the better legal opinion of the time, and constructions of this kind are accepted and confirmed only when any particular decision is the expression of some permanent advance or achievement in political thinking by the American lawyer. It becomes, consequently, of the utmost importance that American lawyers should really represent the current of national political opinion. The Supreme Court has been, on the whole, one of the great successes of the American political system, because the lawyers whom it represented were themselves representative of the ideas and interests of the bulk of their fellow countrymen, and if for any reason they become less representative, a dangerous division would be created between the body of American public opinion and its official and final legal expositors. If the lawyers have any reason to misinterpret a serious political problem, the difficulty of dealing therewith is much increased, because in addition to the ordinary risks of political therapeutics, there will be added that of a false diagnosis by the family doctor. The adequacy of the lawyer's training, the disinterestedness of their political motives, the fairness of their mental outlook, and the closeness of their contact with the national public opinion, all become matters of grave public concern. It can be fairly asserted that the qualifications of the American lawyer 
for his traditional task as the official interpreter and guide of american constitutional democracy have been considerably impaired whatever his qualifications have been for the task and they have perhaps been overestimated they are no longer as substantial as they were not only has the average lawyer become a less representative citizen but a strictly legal training has become a less desirable preparation for the candid consideration of contemporary political problems since eighteen seventy the lawyer has been travelling in the same path as the businessman and the politician he has tended to become a professional specialist and to give all his time to his specialty the greatest and most successful american lawyers no longer become legislators and statesmen as they did in the time of daniel webster they no longer obtain the experience of men and affairs which an active political life brings with it their professional practice whenever they are successful is so remunerative and so exacting that they cannot afford either the time or the money which a political career demands the most eminent american lawyers usually remain lawyers all their lives and if they abandon private practice at all it is generally for the purpose of taking a seat on the bench like nearly all other americans they have found rigid specialization a condition of success a considerable proportion of our legislators and executives continue to be lawyers but the difference is that now they are more likely to be successful lawyers knowledge of the law and a legal habit of mind still have a great practical value in political work and the professional politicians who are themselves rarely men of legal training need the services of lawyers whose legal methods are not attenuated by scruples lawyers of this class occupy the same relation to the local political bosses as the european lawyer used to occupy in the court of the absolute monarch he phrases the legislation which the ruler decides to be of private or public benefit and he acts frequently as his employer's official mouthpiece and special pleader no doubt many excellent and even eminent lawyers continue to play an important and an honorable part in american politics mr elihu root is a conspicuous example of a lawyer who has sacrificed a most lucrative private practice for the purpose of giving his country the benefit of his great abilities mr taft was of course a lawyer before he was an administrator though he had made no professional success corresponding to that of mr root mr hughes also was a successful lawyer the reform movement has brought into prominence many public-spirited lawyers who either as attorney generals or as district attorneys have sought vigorously to enforce the law and punish its violators the lawyers like every class of business and professional men have felt the influence of the reforming ideas which have become so conspicuous in american practical politics and they have performed admirable and essential work on behalf of reform but it is equally true that the most prominent and thoroughgoing reformers such as roosevelt bryan and hearst are not lawyers by profession and that the majority of prominent american lawyers are not reformers the tendency of the legally trained mind is inevitably and extremely conservative so far as reform consists in the enforcement of the law it is of course supported by the majority of successful lawyers but so far as reform has come to mean a tendency to political or economic reorganization it has to face the opposition of the bulk of american legal opinion the existing political order has been created by lawyers and they naturally believe somewhat obsequiously in a system for which they are responsible and from which they benefit this government by law 
of which they boast, is not only a government by lawyers, but is a government in the interest of litigation. It makes legal advice more constantly essential to the corporation and the individual than any European political system. The lawyer, just as much as the millionaire and the politician, has reaped a bountiful harvest from the inefficiency and irresponsibility of American state governments and from the worship of individual rights. They have corporations in Europe, but they have nothing corresponding to the American corporation lawyer. The ablest American lawyers have been retained by the special interests. In some cases they have been retained to perform tasks which must have been repugnant to honest men, but that is not the most serious aspect of the situation. The retainer which the American legal profession has accepted from the corporations inevitably increases its natural tendency to a blind conservatism, and its influence has been used, not for the purpose of extricating the large corporations from their dubious and dangerous legal situation, but for the purpose of keeping them entangled in its meshes. At a time when the public interest needs a candid reconsideration of the basis and the purpose of the American legal system, they have either opposed or contributed little to the essential work, and in adopting this course they have betrayed the interests of their more profitable clients, the large corporations themselves, whose one chance of perpetuation depends upon political and legal reconstruction. The conservative believer in the existing American political system will doubtless reply that the lawyer, in so far as he opposes radical reform or reorganization, is merely remaining true to his function as the high priest of American constitutional democracy. And no doubt it is begging the question at the present stage of this discussion to assert that American lawyers are as such not so well qualified as they were to guide American political thought and action. But it can at least be maintained that, assuming some radical reorganization to be necessary, the existing prejudices, interests, and mental outlook of the American lawyer disqualify him for the task. The legal profession is risking its traditional position as the mouthpiece of the American political creed and faith upon the adequacy of the existing political system. If there is any thoroughgoing reorganization needed, it will be brought about in spite of the opposition of the legal profession. They occupy in relation to the modern economic and political problem a position similar to that of the constitutional unionists previous to the civil war those estimable gentlemen believed devoutly that the constitution which created the problem of slavery and provoked the anti-slavery agitation was adequate to its solution in the same spirit learned lawyers now affirm that the existing problems can be easily solved if only american public opinion remained faithful to the constitution but it may be that the constitution as well as the system of local political government built up around the federal constitution, is itself partly responsible for some of the existing abuses, evils, and problems. And if so, the American lawyer may be useful, as he was before the Civil War, in evading our difficulties. But he will not be very useful in settling them. He may try to settle them by decisions of the Supreme Court, but such decisions, assuming, of course, that the problem is as inexorable as was that of the legal existence of slavery in a democratic nation. Such decisions would have precisely the same effect on public opinion as did the Dred Scott decision. They would merely excite a crisis which they were intended to allay, and strengthen the hands of the more radical critics of the existing political system. End of chapter 5, section 5